rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One is offered as a podcast at rte.ie forward slash drama on one and of course here on RTE Radio One on Sunday nights. For the month of October, we're hosting a season of Samuel Beckett's writings, including a piece of monologue, What and the Old Tune. In tonight's extended edition of Drama on One, we'll hear All That Fall, directed and produced by Barry McGovern. Each work is introduced by Jerry Dukes, whose stage adaptation with Barry McGovern of Beckett's post-war trilogy of novels, As I'll Go On, has played around the world. Jerry is also editor of Samuel Beckett, First Love and Other Novellas, and author of the biography Samuel Beckett from Penguin's Illustrated Lives series. Tonight, Jerry focuses on All That Fall, premiered on BBC Radio in 1957. All That Fall. The first intimation of it we get is in a letter to Aidan Higgins, the late Aidan Higgins, a really fine Irish novelist as well. Just Here's a quote from a letter of the 6th of July, 1956. I've been asked to write a radio play for the third, the BBC third programme, and I'm tempted. Feet dragging and breath short and cartwheels imprecations from the Brighton Road to Fox Rock Station and back, insentient old mares and foal being welted by the cottagers and the devil tattered in the ditch. Boyhood memories probably won't come to anything. But in fact, by November 1956, it's been achieved and it is a radio play. And it's a one-act radio play. It features an elderly woman in her 70s who is, wants to surprise her husband as he returns from his place of work. Uh, he should be retired, but he doesn't want to because he can't be bothered staying at home. She's struggling to meet him at the suburban railway station where he comes out from town on the train. And it's about her adventures on the way to the station and her encounters. And the train is late and there's a lot of brouhaha at the station, and eventually her husband arrives and they um, go home. And that's the play. It's a curious piece in all kinds of ways because there is no attempt at verisimilitude, real life. Everything is done with sound effects. The slow walking, painful walking of Maddie Rooney to the station Cars, grinding gears, people labouring up steps. Bah, says the sheep, and the ring doves coo. But towards the very end of the play, they're passing, obviously, the wayside pulpit signboard of a local Protestant church, which announces the text for the pastor's sermon on the following Sunday, the following day, in fact. And it's a quotation from the Bible. The Lord upholdeth all that fall. He's blind. She is overweight, short of breath. I mean, these are elderly people and they're in no condition to be abroad in the rain, as it turns out. And they read that the Lord upholds all that fall and they break into hysterical laughter because there isn't a shred of evidence of, of that kind of divine intervention into the vicissitudes of human life. And not just human life, 
the poor old hinny, Christie's hinny, who was with his load of dung that he's trying to offload on Mrs. Rooney. I mean, there's, there's her name, Madeline, Maddie, Rooney. And the first word she speaks are that poor woman all alone in that ruinous old house listening to Death and the Maiden on a gramophone <laughs> as an image of the enfeeblement of human life the play is extraordinary and yet it is suffused with all kinds Mrs Rooney delivers herself of a word which when I first encountered it I had no idea what it meant there's a brouhaha on this platform when the train finally arrives. And Maddie Rooney uh, doesn't see her husband immediately. He has been brought to the gents by a young boy who was employed specifically to accompany him from the train home. But Maddie has arrived to collect her husband. And in the brouhaha at the station, Mrs. Rooney says, What a ramdam. Ramdam. That sent me, as it would indeed, to the Oxford English Dictionary to find that it's an alternative version of Ramadan, you know, the holy month in the Muslim religion. One abstains from nutrition and hydration for daylight hours so that immediately as the sun goes down, there is a celebration. People come with barbecues and they have fry-ups in the street. I remember striding through litter on the streets in Istanbul years ago. And that's what Mrs. Rooney invokes in Ramdan. So that's it. You go to the dictionary. If you find something in Beckett, and you will find plenty that you need to follow up, follow it up because it will inevitably reward you with another insight into human behaviour. Jerry Dukes there, and Jerry will be back in two weeks' time to introduce the old tune. Jerry was speaking to Kevin Brew, and Tommy O'Sullivan was on sound. Barry McGovern is considered one of the world's greatest Beckett interpreters, having given hundreds of performances of his work over the course of 50 years. Now we'll hear All That Fall by Samuel Beckett in an RTE production recorded in 1990, produced and directed by Barry McGovern. RTE Radio Drama presents Peg Monaghan as Maddie Rooney and Aidan Grinnell as Dan Rooney in All That Fall by Samuel Beckett. All That Fall.
this old house. Is that you, Christy? It is, ma'am. I thought the hinny was familiar. How is your poor wife? No better, ma'am. Your daughter, then? No worse, ma'am. Why do you halt? But why do I halt? Nice day for the races, ma'am. No doubt it is, but will it hold up? Will it hold up? I suppose you wouldn't be... Surely to goodness that cannot be the upmail I hear already. Damn the mail. Oh, thank God for that. I could have sworn I heard it thundering up the track in the far distance. So Hinny's Winnie. Well, it's not surprising. I suppose you wouldn't be in need of a small load of dung. Dung? What class of dung? Stoy dung. Sty dung. I lack your frankness, Christy. I'll ask the master. Christy. Yes, ma'am? Do you find anything bizarre about my way of speaking? I do not mean the voice. No, I mean the words. I use none but the simplest words, I hope. And yet I sometimes find my way of speaking very bizarre. Mercy! What was that? Never mind her, ma'am. She's very fresh in herself today. Dung. What could we want with dung at our time of life? Why are you on your feet down on the road? Why do you not climb up on the crest of your manure and let yourself be carried along? Is it that you have no head for heights? Yep. Yep, we're the hell out of that. She does not move a muscle. I too should be getting along if I do not wish to arrive late at the station. But a moment ago she neighed and pawed the ground. And now she refuses to advance. Give her a good welt on the rump. Harder. Well, if someone were to do that for me, I should not dally. How she gazes at me, to be sure. 
with her great, moist, clegg-tormented eyes. Perhaps if I were to move on, down the road, out of her field of vision. No, no, enough! Take her by the snaffle and put her eyes away from me. What have I done to deserve all this? What? What? So long ago. No, no. Sigh out of something, something tailor-things, done long ago and ill done. How can I go on? I cannot. Oh, let me just flop down flat on the road like a big fat jelly out of a bowl and never move again. A great big slop thick with grit and dust and flies. They would have to scoop me up with a shovel. Heavens, there's that up mail again. What will become of me? Just a hysterical old hag, I know. Destroyed with sorrow and pining and gentility and church going, fat and rheumatism and childlessness. Minnie, little Minnie. Love, that is all I asked. A little love, daily, twice daily. Fifty years of twice-daily love, like a Paris horse, which is regular. What normal woman wants affection? A peck on the jaw at morning, near the ear, and another at evening, peck, peck, till you grow whiskers on you. There is that lovely Laburnum again. Mrs. Rooney, pardon me if I do not doff my cap, I'd fall off. Divine day for the meeting. Oh, Mr. Turner, you startled the life out of me, stealing up behind me like that, like a deer stalker. <gasps> I rang my bell, Mrs. Rooney. The moment I sighted you, I started tinkling my bell. Now, don't you deny it. Your bell is one thing, Mr. Tyler, and you are another. What news of your poor daughter? Fair, fair. They removed everything you know, the whole <clears throat> bag of tricks. Now I am grandchildless. Gracious, how you wobble. Dismount, for mercy's sake, or ride on. Perhaps if I were to lay my hand lightly on your shoulder, Mrs. Rooney, how would that be? Would you permit that? Uh, no, Mr. Rooney. Mr. Tyler, I mean. I am tired of light old hands on my shoulders and other senseless places, sick and tired of them. Heavens, here comes Connolly's van. Are you all right, Mr. Tyler? Where is he? Ah, there you are. That was a narrow squeak. I alit in the nick of time. Oh, 
It is suicide to be abroad. But what is it to be at home, Mr. Tyler? What is it to be at home? A lingering dissolution. Now you're white with dust from head to foot. I beg your pardon? Nothing, Mrs. Rooney, nothing. I was merely cursing under my breath, God and man, under my breath, and the wet Saturday afternoon of my conception. My back tire has gone down again. I pumped as hard as iron before I set out, and now I am on the rim. Oh, what a shame. Now, if it were the front, I should not so much mind. But the back, the back, the chain, the oil, the grease, the hub, the brakes, the gear. No, it's too much. Are we very late, Mr. Tyler? I have not the courage to look at my watch. Late? I, on my bicycle, as I bowled along, was already late. Now, therefore, we are doubly late, trebly, quadrupedly late. Would I had shot by you without a word? Whom are you meeting, Mr. Tyler? Hardy. We used to climb together. I saved his life once. I have not forgotten it. Let us halt a moment and let this vile dust fall back upon the viler worms. light. Ah, in spite of all, it is a blessed thing to be alive in such weather and out of hospital. Alive? Well, half alive, shall we say. Speak for yourself, Mr. Tyler. I am not half alive, nor anything approaching it. What are we standing here for? This dust will not settle in our time. And when it does, some great roaring machine will come and whirl it all sky-high again. Well, shall we be getting along in that case? No. Come, Mrs. Rooney. Go, Mr. Tyler, go on and leave me, listening to the cooing of the ring doves. <laughs> if you see my poor blind Dan, Tell him I was on my way to meet him when it all came over me again like a flood. Say to him, your poor wife, she told me to tell you it all came flooding over her again and she simply went back home, straight back home. Come, Mrs. Rooney, come. The mail has not yet gone up. Just take my free arm and we'll be there with time and to spare. What, what all this now? Can't you see I'm in trouble? Have you no respect for misery? Minnie, little Minnie. Come, Mrs. Rooney, come. The mail has not yet gone up. Just take my free arm and we'll be there with time and to spare. In her forties now she'd be, I don't know, fifty, girding up her lovely little loins, getting ready for the change. Come, Mrs. Rooney, come. Will you mail. get along with you, Mr. Rooney? Mr. Tyler, I mean. Will you get along with you now and cease molesting me? 
What kind of a country is this where a woman can't weep her heart out on the highways and byways without being tormented by retired bill brokers? Heavens, you're not going to ride her flat. You'll tear your tube to ribbons. Decent exposure. Mr. Tyler! Mr. Tyler! Come back and unlace me behind the hedge! <laughs> oh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Never tranquil, seething out of my dirty old pelt, out of my skull, oh, to be in atoms, in atoms. Atoms! coming, Mrs. Rooney. I'm coming. Give me time. I'm as stiff as yourself. Stiff? Well, I like that. Uh, and me heaving all over back and front. Uh, Dry old reprobate. Now, Mrs. Rooney, how shall we do this? As if I were a bail, Mr. Slocum. Don't be afraid. Uh, That's the way. Uh, oh. Lower. Oh. Uh, wait! No, don't let go. Suppose I do get up. 
I ever get down? You'll get down, Mrs. Rooney. You'll get down. We may not get you up, but I warrant you we'll get you down. Oh, oh. Noah. Oh. Don't be afraid. We're past the age when... There. Now, get your shoulder under it. Oh, 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 glory. Oh, 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 oh. I mean. My frock. You've nipped my frock. Oh. My nice frock. Look what you've done to my nice frock. What will Dan say when he sees me? Has he then recovered his sight? No, I mean when he knows. What will he say when he feels the hole? What are you doing, Mr. Slocum? Gazing straight before me, Mrs. Rooney, through the windscreen, into the void. Start her up, I beseech you, and let us be off. This is awful. All morning she went like a dream, and now she is dead. That is what you get for a good deed. Perhaps if I were to choke her. She was getting too much air! And then, bang! All her troubles over. All the thing and the hatchet. Just one great squawk and then, peace. They would have slit her weasoned in any case. Here we are. Let me down. Mr. Slocum, we are at a standstill. All danger is past and you blow your horn. Now, if instead of blowing it now, you had blown it at that unfortunate... Will you come down, Tommy, and help this lady out? She's stuck. Open the door, Tommy, and ease her out. Certainly, sir. Nice day for the races, sir. What would you fancy don't for the... mind me. You don't take any notice of me. I do not exist. The fact is well known. Do as you're asked, Tommy, for the love of God. Yes, sir. Now, Mrs. Rooney. Oh, oh. Oh, wait, Tommy, wait now. Don't fuss on me. Just let me wheel round up. Get my feet to the ground. Oh. Oh. Now. Oh, mind your feather, ma'am. Uh, Easy now, easy. Oh, wait, for God's sake, you'll have me beheaded. Crouch down, Mrs. Rooney. Crouch 
Crouch down and get your head in the air. Oh, crouch down. I thought I was up. Oh, this is lunacy. Professor Nelson. Uh, oh, pity. Uh, now, now, she's coming. Uh, oh, straighten up, ma'am. Uh, 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 Am I out? You wouldn't have something for the ladies' plates, or oh, it was given Flash Harry. Flash Harry, that cart horse. Army, blast your bleeding bloody! Oh, Mrs. Rooney. Who's that crucifying his gearbox, Tommy? Old Sissy Slocum. Sissy Slocum. That's a nice way to refer to your betters, Sissy Slocum. And you an orphan. What are you doing stravagin' down here on the public road? This is no place for you at all. Nip up there on the platform now and whip out the truck. Won't the 1230 be on top of us before we can turn round? And that's the thanks you get for a Christian act. Get on with you now before I report you. Do you want me to come down to you with a shovel? God forgive me, it's a hard life. Well, Mrs. Rooney, it's nice to see you up and about again. You were laid up there a long time. Not long enough, Mr. Bell. Would I were still in bed, Mr. Bell. Would I were lying stretched out in my comfortable bed, Mr. Bell, just wasting slowly, painlessly away. Keeping up my strength with arrowroot and calves with jelly. Till in the end you wouldn't see me under the blankets any more than a board. Oh, no coughing or spitting or bleeding or vomiting. Just drifting gently down into the higher life. And remembering. Remembering. All this silly unhappiness. As though it had never happened. What did I do with that handkerchief? Oh. How long have you been master of this station now, Mr. Bell? Don't ask me, Mrs. Rooney. Don't ask me. You stepped into your father's shoes, I believe, when he took them off. Poor Pappy. Didn't live long to enjoy his age. I remember him clearly. A small, ferrety, purple-faced widower, deaf as a doornail, very testy and snappy. I suppose you'll be retiring soon yourself, Mr. Bell, and growing your roses. Did I understand you to say the 12.30 would soon be upon us? Those were my words. According to my watch, which is more or less right, or was, by the eight o'clock news, the time is now coming up to 12.36. And yet, upon the other hand, the upmail has not yet gone through. Or has it sped by unbeknown to me? Oh, there was a moment there. I remember now. I was so plunged in sorrow. I wouldn't have heard a steamroller go over me. Uh, don't go, Mr. Barrel. Mr. Barrel! 
Mr. Barrel! What is it, Mrs. Rooney? I have my work to do. The wind is getting up. The best of the day is over. Soon the rain will begin to fall and go on falling all afternoon. Then at evening the clouds will part. The setting sun will shine an instant, then sink behind the hills. Mr. Bell? Mr. Bell? I estrange them all. They come towards me, uninvited, bygones, bygones, full of kindness, anxious to help, genuinely pleased to see me again, looking so well. <laughs> A few simple words from my heart, and I'm all alone once more. I should not be out at all. I should never leave the grounds. Oh, there is that fit woman. I wonder will she bow to me. Miss Fit? Am I then invisible, Miss Fit? Is this creton so becoming to me that I merge into the masonry? That is right, Miss Fit. Look closely and you will finally distinguish a once female shape. Mrs. Rooney, I saw you, but I did not know you. Last Sunday we worshipped together. We knelt side by side at the same altar. We drank from the same chalice. Have I so changed since then? Oh, but in church, Mrs. Rooney, in church I am alone with my maker. Are not you? Why, even the sexton himself, you know, when he takes up the collection, knows it is useless to pause before me. I simply do not see the plate or bag, whatever it is they use. How could I? Why, even when all is over, and I go out into the sweet, fresh air. Why, even then, for the first furlong or so, I stumble in a kind of daze, as you might say, oblivious to my co-religionists. And they are very kind, I must admit, the vast majority. Very kind and understanding. They know me now and take no umbrage. There she goes, they say. There goes the dark misfit, alone with her maker. Take no notice of her. And they step down off the path to avoid my running into them. Ah, oh, yes, I am distray, very distray, even on weekdays. Ask mother if you do not believe me. Hetty, she says. 
when I started eating my doily instead of the thin bread and butter. Hetty, how can you be so distrait? I suppose the truth is I am not there, Mrs. Rooney. Just not really there at all. I see, hear, smell and so on. I go through the usual emotions. But my heart is not in it, Mrs. Rooney. My heart is in none of it. Left to myself, with no one to check me, I would soon be flown home. So if you think I cut you just now, Mrs. Rooney, you do me an injustice. All I saw was a big, pale blur. Just another big, pale blur. Is anything amiss, Mrs. Rooney? You do not look normal somehow. So bowed and bent. Maddie Rooney, nay done. The big pale blur. You have piercing sight, misfit, if you only knew it. Literally piercing. Well, is there anything I can do? Now that I am here? If you would help me up the face of this cliff, misfit, I have little doubt your maker would requite you, if no one else. Now, now, Mrs. Rooney, don't put your teeth in me. Requite. I make these sacrifices for nothing, or not at all. I take it you want to lead on me, Mrs. Rooney? I asked Mr. Beryl to give me his arm. Just give me his arm. He turned on his heel and strode away. Is it my arm you want, then? Is it my arm you want, Mrs. Rooney, or what is it? Your arm, any arm, a helping hand for five seconds. Christ, what a planet! Really? Do you know what it is, Mrs. Rooney? I do not think it is wise of you to be going about at all. Come down here, Miss Fitt, and give me your arm before I scream down the parish. Well, I suppose it is the Protestant thing to do. Miss Myers, do it for one another. I have seen slugs do it. I know the other side, my dear, if it's all the same to you. I'm left-handed on top of everything else. Heavens, child, you're just a bag of bones. You need building up. Oh. 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 This is worse than the Matterhorn. Were you ever up the Matterhorn, Miss Fit? Great honeymoon resort. Oh. Oh. Why don't they have a handrail? Wait till I get some air. Don't let me go. In circling gloom, tum tum on. The night is dark, and I am far from home. Tum tum. Stop it, Mrs. Rooney. Stop. 
sung on the Lusitania or Rock of Ages. Most touching it must have been. Or was it the Titanic? What the? Lovely day for the fixture. <laughs> Now we are the laughing stock of the 26 counties. Or is it 36? That is a nice way to treat your defenseless subordinates, Mr. Barrel. Hitting them without warning in the pit of the stomach. Has anybody seen my mother? Who is that? The dark misfit. Where is her face? Now, dearie, I am ready. If you are... Just prop me up against the wall like a roll of tarpaulin, and that will be all for the moment. I am sorry for all this ramdam, misfit. Had I known you were looking for your mother, I should not have importuned you. I know what it is. Ramdam. Come, Dolly, darling. Let us take up our stand before the first-class smokers. Give me your hand and hold me tight. One can be sucked under. You have lost your mother, Miss Fit. Good morning, Mr. Tyler. Good morning, Miss Fit. Good morning, Miss Fit. Good morning, Mr. Barrow. You have lost your mother, Miss Fit. She said she would be on the last train. Do not imagine because I am silent that I am not present and alive to all that is going on. When you say the last train... Do not train. flatter yourselves for one moment because I hold aloof that my sufferings have ceased? No. The entire scene, the hills, the plain, the race course with its miles and miles of white rails and three red stands, the pretty little wayside station, even you yourselves, yes, I mean it, and over all the clouding blue, I see it all. I stand here and see it all with eyes, through eyes. If you had my eyes, you would understand. The things they have seen are not looked away. This is nothing. Nothing. What did I do with that handkerchief? When you say the last thing... <laughs> When you say the last train, Miss Fitt, I take it you mean the 12.30. What else could I mean, Mr. Tyler? What else could I conceivably mean? Then you have no cause for anxiety, Miss Fitt, for the 12.30 has not yet arrived. Look. No. Up the line. No, Miss Fitt. Follow the direction of my index. There. You see now? The signal at the bawdy hour of nine. Or three, alas. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you, Mr. Barrel. But the time is now getting on. We all know, Miss Fit. we all know only too well what the time is now getting on for. And yet, the cruel fact remains that the 12.30 has not yet arrived. Not an accident, I trust. Do not tell me she has left the track. Oh, darling mother, with a fresh soul for lunch. <laughs> That's enough, old goffo, to you. Nip up to the box now and see, has Mr. Case anything for me? Poor Dan. What terrible thing has happened? Now, now, Miss Fit, do Poor not... Dan. Now, now, Miss Fit, do not give way to despair. All will come right in the end. What is the situation, Mr. Bowell? Not a collision, surely. A collision? Oh, that would be wonderful. A collision? I knew it. Come, Miss Fit, let us move a little up the platform. Yes, let us all do that. No. You have changed your mind? I quite agree. We are better here in the shadow of the waiting room. Excuse me a moment. Before you slink away, Mr. Barrel, please. A statement of some kind, I insist. Even the slowest train on this brief line is not ten minutes and more behind its schedule time without good cause, one imagines. We all know your station is the best kept of the entire network. But there are times when that is not enough, just not enough. Now, Mr. Barrow, leave off chewing your whiskers. We are waiting to hear from you. We, the unfortunate ticket holders nearest, if not dearest. I do think we're owed some kind of explanation, Mr. Barrow, if only to set our minds at rest. I know nothing. All I know is there has been a hitch. All traffic is retarded. Retarded? A hitch? Oh, these celibates. Here we are. Eating our hearts out with anxiety for our loved ones, and he calls that a hitch. Those of us like myself with heart and kidney trouble may collapse at any moment, and he calls that a hitch. In our ovens, the Saturday roast is burning to a shrivel, and he calls Here that comes a... Tommy running. I'm glad I have been spared to see this. She's coming. She's at the level crossing.
isn't on it. The misery I have endured to get here, and he isn't on it. Mr. Barrel, was he not on it? Is anything the matter? You look as if you'd seen a ghost. Tommy, did you see the master? He'll be along, ma'am. Jerry is minding us. Oh, Dan, there you are. Where in the world were you? Maddie? Where were you all this time? In the men's. Kiss me. Kiss you? In public? On the platform? Before the boy? Have you taken leave of your senses? Jerry wouldn't mind. Would you, Jerry? No, ma'am. How is your poor father? They took him away, ma'am. Then you're all alone? Yes, ma'am. Why are you here? You did not notify me. I wanted to give you a surprise for your birthday. My birthday? Don't you remember? I wished you your happy returns in the bathroom. I did not hear you. But I gave you a tie. You have it on. How old am I now? Now, never mind about that. Come. Why did you not cancel the boy? Now you shall have to give him a penny. I forgot. I had such a time getting here. Such horrid, nasty people. Be nice to me, Dan. Be nice to me today. Give the boy a penny. Here are two halfpennies, Jerry. Run along now and buy yourself a nice gobstopper. Yes, ma'am. Come for me on Monday, if I'm still alive. Yes, sir. We could have saved sixpence. We have saved fivepence. But at what cost? Are you not well? Once and for all, do not ask me to speak and move at the same time. I shall not say this in this life again. Let us get this precipice over. Put your arm around me. Have you been drinking again? You're quivering like a blancmange. Are you in a condition to leave me? We shall fall into the ditch. Oh, Dad, it would be like old times. Pull yourself together, or I shall send Tommy for the cab. Then, instead of having saved sixpence, no, fivepence, we shall have lost uh, two and three, that's six, one and, no, plus one. One and no, plus three, one and nine, one, ten and three, two and one. Two and one. We shall be the poorer to the tune of two and one. Curse that sun. It has gone in. What's the day doing? Shrouding, shrouding. The best of it is past. Soon the first great drops will fall, splashing in the dust. And yet the glass was firm. Let us hasten home and sit before the fire. We shall draw the blinds. You will read to me. I think Effie is going to commit adultery with the Major. Wait. I 
been up and down these steps 5,000 times. And still, I do not know how many there are. When I think there are six, there are four or five or seven or eight. And when I remember there are five, there are three or four or six or seven. And when finally I realize there are seven, there are five or six or eight or nine. Sometimes I wonder if they do not change them in the night. Well, how many do you make them today? Oh, do not ask me to count, Dan. Not now. Not count? Oh, one of the few satisfactions in life. Not steps, Dan, please. I always get them wrong. Then you might fall on your wound, and I would have that on my manure heap on top of everything else. No, just cling to me and all will be well. Oh, oh bugger this. Damn, damn these steps. Oh. Oh. Well, that is what you call well. We are down, and little the worse. That was a true donkey. Its father and mother were donkeys. Do you know what it is? I think I shall retire. Retire? And live at home? On your grant? Never tread these cursed steps again. Trudge this hellish road for the last time. Sit at home on the remnants of my bottom, counting the hours till the next meal. Oh, the very thought puts life in me. Forward, before it dies. Now mind, here is the path. Up. Well done. Now we are in safety and a straight run home. A straight run. She calls that a straight run. Hush. Do not speak as you go along. You know it is not good for your corridor. Concentrate on putting one foot before the next, so the expression is. That is the way. Now we are doing nicely. Heavens, I knew there was something. With all the excitement, I forgot. Good God. But you must know, Dan, of course you were on it. Whatever happened, tell me. I have never known anything to happen. But you must... All this stopping and starting again is devilish. Devilish! I get a little way on me and begin to be carried along when suddenly you stop dead. 200 pounds of unhealthy fat. What possessed you to come out at all? Let go of me. No, I must know. We won't stir from here till you tell me. 15 minutes late on a 30-minute run. It's unheard of. I know nothing. Let go of me before I shake you but off. But you must know. You were on it. Was it at the terminus? Did you leave on time? Or was it on the line? Did something happen on the line? Dan, why won't you tell me? Poor Maddie. 
What was that? The Lynch twins jeering at us. Will they pelt us with mud today, do you suppose? Let us turn and face them. Threaten them with your stick. They have run away. Did you ever wish to kill a child? Nip some young doom in the bud. Many a time at night in winter, on the black road home, I nearly attacked the boy. Poor Jerry. What restrained me then? Not fear of man. So we go on backwards now a little. Backwards? Yes. Or you forwards and I backwards. The perfect pair. Like Dante's damned with their faces arsy-versy. Our tears will water our bottoms. What is the matter, Dan? Are you not well? Well? Did you ever know me to be well? The day you met me, I should have been in bed. The day you proposed to me, the doctors gave me up. You knew that, did you not? The night you married me, they came for me with an ambulance. You've not forgotten that, I suppose. No, I cannot be said to be well. But I'm no worse. Indeed, I'm better than I was. The loss of my sight was a great fillip. If I could go deaf and dumb, I think I might pant on to be a hundred. Or have I done so? Was I a hundred today? Am I a hundred, Maddie? All is still. No living soul in sight. There is no one to ask. The world is feeding. The wind... scarcely stirs the leaves. And the birds... are tired singing. The cow... and sheep... ruminate in silence. The dogs... Are hushed. And the hens <laughs> sprawl torpid in the dust. We are alone. There is no one to ask. <clears throat> we drew out on the tick of time. I can vouch for that. How I can will... you vouch for I it? I can vouch for it, I tell you. Do you want my relation or don't you? On the tick of time, I had the compartment to myself, as usual. At least I hope so, for I made no attempt to restrain myself. My mind... Uh, but why do we not sit down somewhere? Uh, are we afraid we should never rise again? Sit down on what? On a bench, for example. There is no bench. Then on a bank. Let us sink down upon a bank. There is no bank. Then we cannot. I dream of other roads in other lands, of another home, another, another home. What was I trying to say? Something about your mind. My mind? Are you sure? My mind? Ah, yes. 
<clears throat> Alone in the compartment, my mind began to work, as so often after office hours, on the way home, in the train, to the lilt of the bogies. Your season ticket, I said, costs you £12 a year, and you earn on an average seven and six a day. That is to say, barely enough to keep you alive and twitching with the help of food, drink, tobacco and periodicals until you finally reach home and fall into bed. Add to this, or subtract from it, rent, stationery, various subscriptions, tram fares to and fro, light and heat, permits and licenses, hair trims and shaves, tips to escorts, upkeep of premises and appearances, and a thousand unspecifiable sundries. And it is clear that by lying at home, in bed, day and night, winter and summer, with a change of pyjamas once a fortnight, you would add very considerably to your income. Business, I said. Did I hear a cry? Mrs. Tully, I fancy. Her poor husband is in constant pain and beats her unmercifully. That was a short knock. What was I trying to get at? Business. Ah, yes, business. Business, old man, I said. Retire from business. It has retired from you. One has these moments of lucidity. Oh, I feel very cold and weak. On the other hand, I said, there are the horrors of home life. The dusting, sweeping, airing, scrubbing, waxing, waning, washing, mangling, drying, mowing, clipping, raking, rolling, scuffling, shoveling, grinding, tearing, pounding, banging and slamming. And the brats, the happy little, healthy little, howling neighbor's brats. Of all this and much more, the weekend, the Saturday intermission, and then the day of rest have given you some idea. But what must it be like on a working day, a Wednesday, a Friday? What must it be like on a Friday? And I fell to thinking of my silent backstreet basement office with its obliterated plate, rest couch and velvet hangings, and what it means to be buried there alive, if only from ten to five, with convenient to the one hand a bottle of light pale ale, and to the other a long ice-cold fillet of ache. Nothing, I said, not even fully certified death can ever take the place of that. It was then I noticed that we were at a standstill. Why are you hanging out of me like that? Have you swooned away? I feel very cold and faint. The wind is whistling through my summer frock as if I'd nothing on over my bloomers. I've had no solid food since my elevenses. You have ceased to care. I speak and you listen to the wind. No, no, I am a gog. Tell me all. Then we shall press on and never pause, never pause till we come safe to Haven. Never pause. Safe to Haven. Do you know, Maddie, sometimes one would think you are struggling with a dead language. Yes, indeed, Dan. I know full well what you mean. I often have that feeling. It is unspeakably excruciating. I confess I have it sometimes myself when I happen to overhear what I am saying. Well, you know, it will be dead in time, just like our own poor dear Gaelic. There is that to be said. Good God. Oh, the pretty little woolly lamb crying to suck its mother. 
This has not changed since Arcady. Where was I in my composition? At a standstill. Ah, yes. <clears throat> I concluded naturally that we had entered a station and would soon be on our way again. And I sat on without misgiving. Not a sound. Things are very dull today, I said. Nobody getting down. Nobody getting on. Then, as time flew by and nothing happened, I realized my error. We had not entered a station. Did you not spring up and poke your head out of the window? What good would that have done me? Why, to call out to be told what was amiss. I did not care what was amiss, no. I just sat on, saying, if this train were never to move again, I should not greatly mind. Then, gradually, uh, how shall I say, a growing desire to, uh, you know, welled up within me. Nervous, probably. In fact, now I am sure. You know, the feeling of being confined. Yes, yes, I have been through that. If we sit here much longer, I said, I, I really do not know what I shall do. I got up and paced to and fro between the seats, like a caged beast. That is a help sometimes. After what seemed an eternity, we simply moved off. And the next thing was Barrow, bawling the abhorred name. I got down, and Jerry led me to the men's. Or fir, as they call it now, from vir, viris, I suppose, the V becoming F in accordance with Grimm's law. The rest you know? You say nothing? Say something, Maddie. Say you believe me. I remember once attending a lecture by one of these new mind doctors. I forget what you call them. He spoke. A lunatic specialist. No, no, just the troubled mind. I was hoping he might shed a little light on my lifelong preoccupation with horses' buttocks. A neurologist? No, no, just mental distress. The name will come back to me in the night. I remember his telling us the story of a little girl. Very strange and unhappy in her ways. And how he treated her unsuccessfully over a period of years and was finally obliged to give up the case. He could find nothing wrong with her, he said. The only thing wrong with her, as far as he could see, was that she was dying. And she did, in fact, die, shortly after he'd washed his hands of her. Well, what is there so wonderful about that? No, it was just something he said, and the way he said it that have haunted me ever since. You lie awake at night, tossing to and fro and brooding on it. On it and other wretchedness. When he had done with the little girl, he stood there motionless for some time, quite two minutes, I should say, looking down at his table. And then he suddenly raised his head and exclaimed, as if he had had a revelation. The trouble with her was she had never been really born. He spoke throughout without notes. I left before the end. Nothing about your buttocks? Maddie. There is nothing to be done for those people. For which is there? That does not sound right somehow. What way am I facing? 
What? I have forgotten what way I am facing. You have turned aside and are bowed down over the ditch. There is a dead dog down there. No, no, just the rotting leaves. In June? Rotting leaves in June? Yes, dear, from last year, and from the year before last, and from the year before that again. It's losing all its tassels. There are the first drops. Golden drizzle. Do not mind me, dear. I am just talking to myself. Can hinnies procreate, I wonder? Say that again. Oh, come on, dear, don't mind me. We are getting drenched. Can what? What? Hinnies procreate. You know, hinnies or ginnies, aren't they barren or sterile or whatever it is? It wasn't a Nasus coat at all, you know. I asked the Regis Professor. He should know. Yes, it was a hinny. He rode into Jerusalem, or whatever it was, on a hinny. That must mean something. It's like the sparrows than many of which we are of more value. They weren't sparrows at all. Than many of which? You exaggerate, Maddie. They weren't sparrows at all. Does that put our price up? Some down. Why do you stop? Do you want to say something? No. Then why do you stop? It is easier. Are you very wet? To the buff. The buff? The buff from Buffalo. We shall hang up all our things in the hot cupboard and get into our dressing gowns. Put your arm round me. Be nice to me.
the same old record. All alone in that great empty house. She must be a very old woman now. Death and the maid. You are crying. Are you crying? Yes! pizza tomorrow? The incumbent? No. Thank God for that. Who? Hardy. How to be happy, though married? No, no, he died, you remember. No connection. Has he announced his text? The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. something behind us. It looks like Jerry. It is Jerry. You, you dropped... Take your time, my little man. You will burst a blood vessel. You, you dropped something, sir. Mr. Barrel told me to run after you. Show. What is it? What is this thing, Dan? Perhaps it is not mine at all. Mr. Barrel said it was, sir. It looks like a kind of ball. And yet it's not a ball. Give it to me. What is it, Dan? It is a thing I carry about with me. Yes, but... It is a thing I carry about with me! I have no small money. Have you? I have none of any kind. We are out of change, Jerry. Remind Mr. Rooney on Monday, and he will give you a penny for your pains. Yes, ma'am. If I am alive. Yes, sir. Jerry! Did you hear what the hitch was? Did you hear what kept the train so late? How would he have heard? Come on. What was it, Jerry? It was... Leave the boy alone. He knows nothing. Come on. What was it, Jerry? It was a little child, ma'am. <laughs> what do you mean? It was a little child. It was a little child fell out of the carriage, ma'am. Onto the line, ma'am. Under the wheels, ma'am.
That was All That Fall by Samuel Beckett. Maddie Rooney was played by Peg Monaghan and Dan Rooney by Aidan Grinnell. Christy, Brandon O'Doul, Mr Tyler, David Kelly, Mr Slocum, Pat Laffin, Tommy, Kevin Reynolds, Mr Barrel, Kevin Flood, Miss Fit, Kate Minogue, a female voice, Barbara McCaughey, Dolly, Cleona O'Brien, and Jerry Barry Glennon. Sound effects were by John Farrell. Sound supervision was by Anton Timoney. All That Fall was produced and directed by Barry McGovern. And to listen back to this and hundreds of plays in the Drama Archive, have a look at rte.ie forward slash drama on one. The Drama on One Beckett season is made possible by kind permission of the estate of Samuel Beckett. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. rta.ie forward slash drama on one.